Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering men to address erectile dysfunction, improve confidence, and enhance the satisfaction in their relationships. This podcast is brought to you by ErectionIQ.com. Learn more at ErectionIQ.com. Welcome to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. I am Mark Goldberg, Certified Sex Therapist. I am deeply passionate about working with men like you to help resolve their ED. Today we are joined again by Dr. Josh Shamel. Dr. Shamel is a urology resident in Albany, New York, and is going to help us to better understand the impact of alcohol on erections. Thank you, Dr. Shamel, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me back. So just to get us started here, can you let our listeners know a little bit about just generally the impact of alcohol on the body? Absolutely. Um, so alcohol is first and foremost kind of an, an inhibitory uh, chemical. And so um, it looked a little bit into the, the physiology, but it, it predominantly revolves around increasing a chemical known as GABA in the body. Um, helps you feel relaxed, um, but also has a kind of a decrease on your respiratory drive. And as we'll soon talk about, um, can influence other parts of your body as well, including uh, erections. And so, um, while you know, I know, you know the jar, the statement kind of involving alcohol just as a whole, and but more, more specifically with erections, is uh, it gives the uh, desire but takes away the ability to some degree, um, and that's primarily due to its its role as an its inhibitory effect on the body. Okay, we're we're definitely going to get a little bit more into that because what what I'm gathering from from what you're saying is that the inhibitory effect is both on the brain and on the body. So it may inhibit some of the physiological components while inhibiting uh, some of the psychological barriers uh, that may exist for men without the role of alcohol. We're gonna we're gonna get more into that. Um, can you just help our listeners with this term that you use, GABA? Can you just kind of give us a little more information about GABA? Sure. Um, so GABA is what we call a neurotransmitter within the brain. And so uh, because the brain is made up of neurons and neurons commute, uh, communicate via chemicals, it's one of the chemicals that neurons kind of release within what is called the gap junction. So the, the space between two neurons and how they communicate. And so you can have all sorts of drugs that are chemicals that cross the barrier. So you can have chemicals that excite neurons um, like acetylcholine. Um, but you can also have chemicals like GABA, which end up, you know, kind of doing the opposite. And so um, when we drink alcohol, it promotes the release of a lot of these chemicals, including GABA in the brain and throughout the kind of the central nervous system, which causes the effects of, you know, effects on the respiratory drive, effects in your memory, effects in kind of in your cardiovascular status. So yeah, and, and speaking of cardiovascular, so let, let's get a little bit more into how alcohol can impact erections. Mm -hmm. And so um, alcohol has, there's been plenty of studies kind of investigating the hypothesized mechanism of how alcohol in, you know, works with erections. Um, there is some thing about kind of involving the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. And so what that essentially is for the, for the listeners is the it's the kind of communication pathway in the body, um, which allows us to have you know signals in the brain that cause chemical changes within the body. And for men, you know, this can involve testosterone, um, especially with some chemicals called gonadotropin releasing hormone or luteinizing hormone. 
Um, and this, it can actually decrease some of this in the body um, and thereby decreasing some testosterone levels um, over time. Um, you can also impair uh, the spinal reflex as well. It leads to decreased sensation um, and will also impact kind of uh, how the nerves jumpstart erections. Um, but you also get effects on the brain itself. And so that's looking at psychological factors, um, including uh, arousability um, and, you know, interest in sex among partners. Um, they've also found in a couple of these studies, especially one out of India last year, um, that it is kind of a, it's a seesaw a little bit, um, you know, too much in one direction um, can actually cause a reverse of that. And so you can actually, it can lead to a disinterest in sex among partners, depending on how much alcohol is being consumed and cause, you know, increase in aversion, increase in rejection, you know, retaliation, anxiety, and depression in people who have kind of tipped the scales um, past moderation and are now having the alcohol negatively affect their sex drive. You know, one of the things we talk a lot about on the podcast from the medical perspective is how important like healthy blood flow is to the genitals. And, and, and you know, the penis is one of the first places that will be impacted by you know, not having such great blood flow. Is there a general impact on blood flow throughout the body with higher levels of alcohol consumption? Or is this something that specifically plays to the sexual components, the hormones that impact sexuality, the mindset um, that's really important um, for sexual function? Um, you can absolutely get a, an impact on the blood flow as well. I mean, when you start tampering with the respiratory drive, you start tampering with cardiovascular output, you are going to affect blood flow in other parts of the body. Um, and especially they, you know, they've also looked at kind of, you know, you have your, you know, kind of quick term alcohol. So like you go out for a night, you have a couple drinks, you're going to have some effect on your cardiovascular output and your respiratory drive from that standpoint. But some of these studies have also looked at kind of chronic uh, alcohol users, and they have found that, you know, as a whole, these people are generally, you know, not as healthy as the, as the normal population. And so they are more prone to kind of metabolic syndromes. So that would be higher cholesterol, um, high blood pressure. They have more incidence of diabetes. And so it's kind of you get the immediate effects with having, you know, one or two or more drinks a night with regards to kind of, you know, in the in the immediate term. But the more you drink over time is also going to start to affect the blood flow down to the genital region and affect erections down the line. OK, and that's that's a really important distinction because there is the, the short term acute effects of having alcohol in the system, which you're saying is going to have an impact, but prolonged or chronic use of alcohol also takes its toll on the body's function with or without the alcohol present at that point. And that can also have just long-term debilitating effects on erections as well as you know, liver function, obviously, is you know, a very well-known one, but certainly in other areas of the body as well. So Dr. Shamlin, in your, in your experience, how common is alcohol a factor in erectile dysfunction? So it is one, it is one of the things we always ask about when we're talking to our patients in clinic. Um, it's more of the, the normal intake that we do with all patients. Um, and so we try to make sure we have a baseline with everyone. And for the, for gentlemen, the, the CDC recommends no more than two drinks in one sitting, um, and kind of limiting it to 14 in a week. 
um, the definition of kind of binge drinking for, you know, a lot of individuals who work really hard during the week and then kind of want to cut loose on the weekends would I think be upwards of four to six drinks on the weekend. Um, and that still kind of travels into, you know, above the CDC recommendation. Um, but it is, it is very important that we need to be asking these men and it's hard because obviously it's, it's a touchy subject sometimes, um, you know, individuals who have issues with alcoholism are not always, um, forthright about how much they drink. Um, especially when talking to a, to a healthcare provider. And so it's very important to kind of establish that, you know, the doctor's office or the clinic is a safe position for these patients that they can be honest about whatever they're, you know, how much they're drinking, because really all we want to do is help them have normal erections again. Mm -hmm. And, so, and, and like, like, like you're pointing out, underreporting is a very common issue um, where people are going to um, sometimes, you know, not to their own fault, uh, but they're going to underreport. They just don't realize how much they're actually consuming. And I would imagine another challenge uh, that you face, as I oftentimes face, is that many people will set what they believe to be problematic alcohol consumption, usually at about one to two drinks higher than what they generally consume. So they often will overlook this as a factor um, and won't really see that as as something that could be impacting erections or could be impacting other areas of the body. So these questions are really crucial. Now, kind of coming back to the short-term versus long-term. So I understand the CDC's recommendation probably has to do with long-term health, and they're not necessarily looking at erectile function. Now, every human body is going to metabolize things differently, is going to be impacted differently. Generally speaking, though, how much is too much when it comes to that short-term alcohol? Is it, you know, three drinks, five drinks? And, and it's so difficult, the question I'm asking. <laughs> is there a general rule of thumb? Uh, I would probably stick with the CDC recommendation. If you're starting to get to the point where you're, you know, slurring your words, you're not very, you know, dexterous anymore, it probably will have an effect on your erections. You just may not notice it. Um, and so, you know, it's, I, you know, it's almost up to every guy, um, because you're right. Everyone metabolizes things differently. And so, you know, one, one particular individual may be able to take three or four drinks before starting to, you know, experience any decrease in his erectile function. Other individuals may only take one, one or two drinks, you know. It just depends almost on the fitness, the fitness of the individual, the alcohol tolerance will play a role as well. And so I think the the most general term would be, you know, fall within the CDC recommendations of one to two. I feel like most people would be able to fall into that. Okay. That makes sense. Now, can alcohol and a PDE5 inhibitor be mixed safely? That, that, that's the question right there. Um, and we have had individuals who are like, well, I like to have a couple drinks and then, you know, that kind of gets the mood going. And then I'm able to take, you know, my Viagra, my Cialis, and we're able, you know, my partner and I are able to have satisfying intercourse. And, that, and that's, you know, that's great that that works for them. But it, again, it, it's almost a, a balance. I mean, you know, the PDE5 inhibitors are going to start to influence your blood pressure alcohol will start to start to influence your blood pressure after a certain point. And so, you know, it's, we like to caution patients to make sure they, they take things slow, obviously, you know, with individuals who may have some anxiety when it comes to sex, 
you know, it will help to have maybe a, an alcoholic beverage to help kind of cut the edge or kind of decrease some of the inhibitions that they may have. But at the same time, they don't want to overdo it to where they're getting into dangerous levels of blood pressure decrease or things like that. So we, we, it's part of the risks we talk about with patients in the clinic is that you should be very careful when mixing this with any other substances, because this can cause unintended effects. And the last thing we want is individuals, you know, thinking they have something under control and then there's an accident where they fall and hit their head or an unsafe drop in blood pressure can exacerbate other conditions such as with, you know, if their heart give, you know, their heart can have some issues. And so it really is important to have a full discussion with your healthcare provider about what they feel your risks are um, and kind of engaging with sexual activity and mixing kind of alcohol and Viagra and things like that. Okay. That makes sense. And it sounds like what you're saying is that um, it certainly is not uh, as simple as there's no counterindications. Like this is something that really has to be looked at case by case because they certainly like can both, you know, at a certain level, um, decrease blood pressure, which can have detrimental effects. So people have to be cautious about that and certainly should have a much lengthier conversation um, with their with their uh, prescriber, or their healthcare provider. Um, like you were pointing out, it really is important because um, for better or for worse, alcohol uh, does seem to play a role for many people in their sexuality. Um, it does seem to act as a sexual lubricant. As a medical professional and a, a sexual health expert, I'm wondering just what your thoughts are about this idea that people do seem you know, to utilize alcohol at times, maybe a drink or two, not necessarily to the point of full-blown inebriation, but something to take the edge off. Do you have an opinion about that? Do you ever um, counsel you know, your patient's you know, away from that to try to seek other ways to deal with that angst or that discomfort? Or do you see it as uh, maybe a, a helpful aid you know, at times for people? What's, what is your perspective? Everything I think is a, you know, a double-edged sword. So, you know, I think that if it helps an individual with regards to, you know, if they're having severe, you know, social anxiety about a situation or, um, there's some other, you know, performance anxiety, you know, I feel like if it helps get them, if, if it helps kind of those problems kind of decrease and they are able to focus on, you know, their partner and pleasure and things like that, I think that's absolutely, you know, not something that we would necessarily say, Hey, go out and, you know, have like a bottle of wine before you go and engage in sexual activity. But I feel like if it, you know, it's everything in moderation. And so, you know, if you feel like a glass of wine kind of helps you relax and helps you kind of connect with your partner, great. Um, but obviously there are individuals who we would caution to stay away from that. So if you've had issues with, you know, substance abuse in the past, obviously we would be like, please turn to something else. Um, and I think that's actually where, you know, I think fully comprehensive men's health, you know, that's where people like you come in and talking about mental health and having making sure, you know, providers from urology and family medicine are referring to mental health providers to help some of these individuals work through these issues so they don't always have to rely on alcohol like a, as a sexual lubricant. Yeah. And, and, and look, it, it's a very tricky space because um, anxiety around sexual performance can also have you know, ongoing relationship implications and can have 
you know, broader mental health challenges. While um, it certainly is not in my you know general uh, suggestion box to utilize alcohol to cover that up, I also recognize that life is happening in real time, and um, sometimes refraining from that can actually have uh, pretty intense and detrimental impacts on people's lives. Uh, to not take that edge off to a certain extent. And I do really appreciate just how complex and tricky this is and how everything we're talking about really has to be looked at on a case-by-case and an individual basis uh, to really figure out what the right combo is and how to you know, help people live uh, the best lives that they can. So generally speaking, though, like the, the CDC is saying that you know one to two drinks you know, in this kind of situation should be okay. Uh, without you know any long-term detrimental you know effects on people okay? mm-hmm. without knowing each individual's history and what they're up against um, yes. and there's there's certainly is some medical room for that is that correct yes absolutely I mean um, you know obviously there's more and more research coming out all the time about the effects of alcohol on you know the body the effects of alcohol on mental health I mean you know this whole period with covid is gonna prove very interesting to be, see how people coped with every, you know, the (laughs) last few years. Um, But yeah, it it is important to kind of make sure that we continue to have this conversation between all aspects of a patient's health um, and make sure that, you know, we are tailoring the treatments down to a patient. Um, You know, I have plenty of friends who, you know, can't drink because of allergies to alcohol and obviously that, you know, we wouldn't even have that be a part of the conversation with them. (laughs) Um, is that, you know, we, (laughs) they can't have it anyways, but, um, you know, there's again, and, you know, now we're also having to start to talk about, um, you know, some people like to, uh, you know, smoke marijuana and drink alcohol at the same time. And so there's new research coming out, um, especially one out of the university of Colorado in 2021 was looking at kind of the interplay with all three of those. So marijuana, alcohol use and erectile dysfunction and kind of seeing how, you know, that is moving forward as well, especially with more and more states uh, undergoing legalization. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I appreciate uh, just how complex this is and how the data is um, a work in progress. It really is. Um, and as new information emerges, obviously the guidance is going to adjust with that uh, and change. Now, if a man is experiencing what seems like a pretty clear pattern of like an alcohol-induced erectile dysfunction. Is this man going to have to completely refrain from alcohol use like over the long run? Um, And what I mean by that is if uh, he's going to engage in sexual activity on a Thursday, Mm -hmm. does he have to refrain on a Monday or is this a lot more around like there's a short-term effect? So as long as he doesn't have a drink within set amount of hours prior to sexual activity, you should be okay. So, yeah. So most likely it's usually if you, you know, if you know that alcohol is causing an issue, um, it would be best to either severely limit your intake. So if you're known to, Oh, I have, you know, three glasses of wine and I start to have an issue, you should probably cut down, um, to, you know, one and see if you're still getting an effect. If it's really all alcohol, then you should probably refrain from alcohol for at least a day, probably a couple of days. Okay. Now, Dr. Shamble, do you have any additional thoughts or additional advice for our listeners when it comes to the role of alcohol you know, on erections, 
human sexuality and sexual function. So, you know, more and more evidence is coming out about alcohol's role in kind of messing with the body's kind of testosterone balance. And so, um, you know, we're finding that, you know, like I said before, a lot of these, a lot of people who engage in very long-term alcohol use are, you know, generally unhealthy. They have a lot of liver disease and there's roles that the liver plays in helping to convert um, you know, things into testosterone. It also plays a role, especially in men and kind of making sure that estrogen levels are not getting too high in the body. And so we're seeing that some of these individuals with liver cirrhosis are starting to have higher levels of estrogen within the body. And so, um, obviously that is going to play a very detrimental impact on, um, your erectile function. Um, as well, you know, you're, you know, if you're having these long-term effects, especially with liver damage, you're more likely to have issues with your vessels, with your pancreas, with, you know, your heart and your lungs, which erections are very interesting because they are a window into the, the health of an individual. And so if you start to lose erectile function, um, we as providers start to think, you know, is there anything, you know, happening, el you know, elsewhere in the body that could be causing this? And so, we look, we start to look for, is this, you know, what is this person's blood sugars, you know, over the past, you know, 90 days, what have they been? What is this person's cholesterol levels? How well is the, the, are their genitals getting blood flow? Is this due to potentially, you know, artery disease with cholesterol buildup? And so, you know, if a, if a gentleman comes in and there is, you know, there is a decent amount of alcohol history that could be pointing us to a direction, especially if they're complaining of erectile dysfunction of maybe we need to start taking a closer look at this individual's overall health and making sure that these factors are optimized too, because, you know, we're starting to see a lot of issues now, and then we need to definitely find what the solution is. Okay, Dr. Chum, if I could just quickly give a summary here, tell me if this is largely accurate. When it comes to the short-term effects of alcohol on erections and an approach of moderation, maybe one to two drinks, if that's really important or necessary, a part of a routine to take the edge off, um, that's something that may work for some people and it may be okay. Long-term, they probably want to be looking at what uh, the underpinnings are of that edge that they feel like they need to take off. Um, but there shouldn't be any major detrimental effects after a drink or two, but that varies from body to body and person to person. But over drinking or over consumption on the short term can really have acute effects on erections. And uh, you know, one of the terms that's used is whiskey dick, um, mm -hmm. which you know goes, you know, kind of implies that overconsumption of whiskey can lead to problems in the bedroom in that short term. Long term, though, it sounds like you know consistent consumption of alcohol, not necessarily to take the edge off of a sexual encounter, uh, but somebody who has more of a, a um, chronic issue with alcohol and is overconsuming could face a number of long term issues that impact all kinds of areas in the body. Um, one of them being uh, the penis and erections. And that oftentimes is the canary in the coal mine, uh, the first indicator of other health problems throughout the body. Absolutely. Dr. Sharma, really appreciate you coming on, educating our listeners about this. And I really appreciate just the complexity that you as a physician do recognize and see in this balance between um, you know, the role of the mind and how it can really get in the way and the importance of sometimes taking the edge off there, while also 
recognizing that too much of the taking off of the edge is also going to inhibit other areas uh, that are important to erection. So once again, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Erectile Dysfunction Radio Podcast. For more information on today's topic and understanding how the mind impacts erectile dysfunction, please visit ErectionIQ.com. That's ErectionIQ.com.